This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Air Force unveiled a new policy for airmen who need to take emergency leave. It pushes down authority, making it easier for direct supervisors to sign off on leave. Now, that policy is just one of several ways the Air Force is changing its personnel policies to make life easier for employees. So perhaps they stay around longer. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke with Air Force Colonel Jennifer Ali. She's the Military Force Policy Division Chief and Military Compensation Policy Division Chief Colonel Chad Segura. The emergency leave of absence, uh, just want to clarify up front, uh, this is a delegation of an existing authority to a lower level. Uh, it's not a new leave category, and, and it is different than normal emergency leave. The emergency leave of absence delegation basically lowers the level to the commander and the civilian directors who most directly know the individual and understand the circumstances and gives them the flexibility to assist their airmen and eliminate steps to get it approved at a much higher level. It eliminates some of the bureaucracy necessary in getting this. Ideally, what this does is this now allows the Air Force to aid the airmen faster and help them prevent uh, from going into an unfavorable leave status, uh, especially during a difficult time. Uh, To clarify, emergency leave of absence uh, may be granted once during the entire service member's career and is granted only to prevent the service member from entering advanced or excess leave status. Uh, And it can only be uh, granted for up to 14 consecutive days. We see taking care of our airmen as a matter of readiness, and if the airmen aren't ready, uh, then they they can't fully contribute to the mission, and we see this as as a big plus. Over. Dating as far back as Deborah Lee James is the Secretary of the Air Force, you've been working on making the work-life balance better for airmen, and that in turn would then help with retention and recruitment. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're, you're working on that, how you crowdsource those ideas, what might be coming on the horizon, what you're working on? We, we actually have, uh, and not so much on emergency leave of absence coming to mind, but uh, more along the lines of uniforms and, and, and grooming standards, we're, we're using social networking and, 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 and obviously uh, the Internet to, to get more input from, from the airmen, such as Airmen Powered by Innovation website. Uh, and we opened up a, a new crowdsourcing campaign for the uniform, um, where and we just opened it September 3rd, but... Uh, since that time, we've received over a thousand suggestions. Some of them are repetitive, which also, you know, gives us more information uh, and allows us to see uh, what's on the airman's mind and uh, what's on a lot of airmen's mind. Uh, but uh, the, this new technology really allows for the airman to to communicate directly with us and for us to get an, an unfiltered opinion. And Colonel Ali, what is your process like? When we roll a policy out, there's, you know, there's the immediate excitement of it, and then there's the, the, like, what does that mean for the second and third order effect? And we try to ensure that when we build these policies that we've thought about that, but but sometimes there's an aha moment um, where we where we might need to look at, you know, we might have done something that way because that's just how we always did it, and and that's not always the right answer, and so we have to dig into, well. You know, if we're going to, um, we talk about child custody, 
but families look extremely different. And so, you know, where can we where where can we write the policy to support the law, right? So we, the law is really where we can't bend, um, but you know, have we framed the policy right with all the benefits that we can to to support our airmen so that you know they don't have to make those professional sacrifices and still be able to support their families and spend time with their families and know that we honor our families because they serve with us. So you know, we have to really really be careful with that. And sometimes we just might not see that second order effect right away or might have overlooked a family because it's a small subsector. Um, so just to ensure that, you know, we're open-minded to our policies and we really challenge our action officers, um, our enlisted and officers, uh, to ensure that they, um, they, they're open-minded and we take that feedback and we continue to, I don't want to say push the envelope because that's not what we're trying to do, but to ensure that we've We've dug through the policy to to get the most benefit for our airmen, so they have that work life balance, and it's not just um, work and no play. Colonel Segura, you also made some changes in appearance and uniforms to make them more acceptable for all races. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that decision and also things that you're thinking about right now? As you're probably aware, SecDef directed the services to review their grooming standards and to look for any racial bias uh, in their in their guidance. So the Air Force, you know, took that to heart, and we, we took the opportunity to review our, our guidance and look for any ways that we can to make the force more inclusive. Uh, initially, it was the Diversity and Inclusion Task Force that took this on, which was a diverse group of, uh, of individuals, and they identified some areas uh, that, that, you know, unintentionally – were biased against certain certain groups of, of airmen. Uh, so, for example, a shaving waiver. Uh, in the past, it had to be renewed pretty regularly when somebody PCS'd or, or, or went uh, or deployed. Uh, so we looked at, could we lengthen that time of approval for a shaving waiver? Because uh, in a lot of cases, it's due to a medical condition, pseudofolliculitis barbae, and... Um, in the end, it was, yes, we, we can approve that for, for up to five years and, and still be highly effective. And the idea was to lessen the burden on, on the airmen. Another thing as simple as uh, verbiage, uh, faddish, for example, uh, and, and any references to complexion. The idea was that that was too subjective, and we wanted to, to make it to where it, it, was, it was more standardized and, and take away from any any singling out of, of groups of airmen. Another thing that, that we did that we, we looked at the spelling of names on name tapes so, and adding the diacritical accents and, and hyphens when it's more accurate representation of the legal name. And it's something that we hadn't done in the past, uh, but, and we realized that, that it would be an, an improvement and make people feel more welcome. Uh, and, and then, um, you know, looked at other things with the hair. Additionally, we're, we've done a second review uh, after the Diversity and Inclusion Task Force, and, and to your question, what we did was we reached out to the uh, major commands and asked for a, a broad group of various ranks, various races, various ethnicities, various genders, to come back in and, and do a, a second look at our uh, dress and appearance standards and uh and we're we're looking at their recommendations and putting 
possibly making more changes out to the field. Air Force Military Compensation Policy Division Chief Colonel Chad Segura and Colonel Jennifer Ali, Military Force Policy Division Chief, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.